truth in that. I think it's so important to have good spiritual songs in your life, uh, songs that uh, really permeate your heart. I want to encourage you in your homes, sing, uh, sing songs. Uh, just reading the testimony of uh, men like John Newton and uh, the testimony of, um, uh, well, several, several uh, great men of God in the past, and uh, they were not converted until a little bit later in their teenage years or early 20s, and, uh, but they remembered singing in their homes. They remembered their moms uh, singing spiritual songs to them, and they never got away from those spiritual songs. And uh, that, uh, that truth right there, uh, the rock holds me, and uh, right there is salvation, so very clear. The rock holds me, and that's the security of salvation. Uh, when you are saved, it's not you holding the rock, it's the rock holding you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's security. And uh, that's something that religion doesn't believe or doesn't teach. Your religion makes it all about me. True Christianity makes it all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go to Mark 13, the first part of the chapter. Would you stand with me as we read uh, together a portion of Scripture this evening? Mark chapter 13. I want to begin here in verse number 1. And we'll read through the first eight verses. And it reads, As he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There should not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. And I want you to see this statement here tonight, and this is going to be the, uh, the thought that I want to take here. These are the beginnings of sorrows. And I want to, to just deal tonight with the, the beginnings of sorrows. And I think it's pretty clear to, to most everyone, there's something unique, there's something different uh, taking place in our world today. Uh, we, we're seeing, uh, it, it's almost as if we've entered into a new phase of history. There's, uh, there's been a, a transformation uh, in our world today. We, we've moved from uh, thoughts of, of uh, nations, and we're moving towards world government. We're moving away from national government, moving in a direction of world government. We're moving away from uh, local churches and moving in a direction of world religion. Uh, we're moving in a direction where religions are beginning to come together and drop their truths, or I say truths, religion doesn't have truth, but drop their differences and uh, seek to come together in what they would term coming together in love. And uh, we're, we're living in some very unique times. And I'm thoroughly convinced that what we've experienced over the last two years with COVID, and we'll uh, just uh, say a few things about that tonight, but I, I really believe that this has been a preparation uh, for end time events. And I, I believe that Satan is the God of this world. 
And a lot of what we're experiencing today is really ultimately a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare uh, that is taking place, and it's a warfare for the souls of men. And so we're going to look at this tonight, the beginnings of sorrows, as we march through this section of Scripture. And, and I think you're, you're uh, seeing that there is something unique taking place, and we live in a neat time in history. Would you join me tonight? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. You have been so gracious and good to us, and it's just been a joy to tonight and to sing these songs and to hear then uh, this special song about the rock holds me and I thank you Lord that uh, when we truly have been born again and know you uh, that it is you that holds on to us and you never let go of us you never leave us nor forsake us and I thank you that you chasten and you discipline your children that a true child of yours uh, can never get away from you without experiencing some consequences and over and over you prove your love through your discipline. Thank you, Lord, for that. Help us tonight as we delve into your word. Lord, would you give us truth tonight that would be life-transforming. And Lord, that uh, Lord's tonight, we, we just need you to do something in our midst uh, that would be of eternal value. We pray this in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And as, as you're seated, just want to uh, kind of give a little bit of, of detail, just the background of our section of Scripture. And it's been a little while since we've been in the Gospel of Mark with our missions conference. And it's really interesting to see the, the whole context of the Scripture uh, what we are, are dealing with right here in this portion of the Gospel of Mark is this final week of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, before His crucifixion. Uh, this week began in chapter 11 as the Lord Jesus Christ entered into the city of Jerusalem. I believe he entered in fulfillment of prophecy, riding upon a donkey, and uh, that was fulfilling the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, and it's a wonderful prophecy where the king would be presented to that nation. He entered Jerusalem as their king. Uh, we know they rejected their king, did not receive him to be so. He was rejected, and the end of this week is going to lead to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, during this week, uh, the Lord Jesus is questioned on many different occasions, and uh, one thing becomes very evident, the wisdom of his answers. Uh, he was found or discovered to be the lamb without blemish. He was perfect and holy in every way. There's no man that ever had the wisdom or the answers that he did. Of course, we know that he was more than a man. He was God manifested in flesh. He was God uh, become man. Now, when we get here to chapter 13, uh, the Lord begins to, to give some details concerning end-time prophecies or end-time events. And I want to just pick up, give you uh, the background. Look in verse number 1 of chapter 13. And it reads, As he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now, during this day, the temple was intact, and that temple was known as one of the wonders of the world. Uh, it was known to be a magnificent building, huge stones that would make up this building. And one of the disciples observing that building pointed the building out to the Lord Jesus Christ. What manner of stones, what buildings are here? He drew attention to the magnificence and to the beauty of that temple. But interestingly, Jesus responded in verse number 2. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. 
Jesus is pointing out to this disciple, yes, this is a magnificent building, but it is temporal. And all earthly dwellings, all earthly buildings are temporal, regardless of their beauty, their magnificence, their luxury, their wealth, uh, their temporal buildings. Uh, This particular building, the temple, was nothing more than a picture or representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it was the picture of God's presence here upon this earth. It was ultimately fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this temple would be cast down. The Jews had made this temple to be an idol. And so here Jesus is prophesying. He's looking uh, into the future. And he says to this disciple and to these disciples, all of these gigantic stones that you see and all of this beauty and magnificence, all of this is going to be cast down. It's going to be destroyed. Uh, Now that prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD when Titus and the Roman armies came against Jerusalem. This temple, just as Jesus prophesied 40 years, by the way, after this prophecy, this temple was cast down just as Jesus had expressed Uh, That Temple Mount today in 2018, November, we had the privilege of going to the Mount of Olives and looking at that Temple Mount and actually going to the Temple Mount and being there present on the Temple Mount. And there's no Jewish temple there today. Uh, It was cast down just as Jesus said it would be. And almost now 2,000 years later, there's still no temple. And we know during the tribulation, that temple will be rebuilt. And uh, all of those items are now in place in preparation for the rebuilding of that Jewish temple. Now with that context, in verse number 3, after this question is asked, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives uh, sits east of the eastern gate and east of the Temple Mount. So Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, really a beautiful location as you look on the valley uh, between the Temple Mount and uh, the Mount of Olives. And you can see from the Mount of Olives uh, that Temple Mount, that location. And today the Dome of the Rock sits there upon that uh, Temple Mount. And so here Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives over against the Temple. And he says, Peter, James, and John, Andrew asked him privately and said, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Now here Jesus in this context, if you go to verse number 8, he mentions the, these are the beginnings of sorrows. And I want to, to deal tonight with the beginnings of sorrows. Now, one thing becomes very clear. Uh, this world is not a friendly place toward Christianity. And it's not a friendly place toward the child of God. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse number 33, uh, Jesus to his disciples during the same week uh, spoke and said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. He says, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. As we examine here Mark 13, the context of this chapter, and we compare it to a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 24, Uh, it's evident that much of this message is directed toward the Jews that will be saved during the time of the tribulation. Uh, This uh, week is is going to be dealing this seven years as a period of time uh, that is dealing specifically with the Jews, though not all of this prophecy deals with the Jews. We're going to see some of this tonight, but a lot of this prophecy deals specifically with the Jew 
And it is fulfilling, I believe, the final week that is given to the Jew that is mentioned in Daniel chapter 9. In the midst of Mark chapter 13, and then in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15, there's the mention of the abomination of desolation. This is the time when Antichrist will enter into the rebuilt temple there in Jerusalem. He will there proclaim himself to be God. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of direction that is given specifically to the Jews and to the Jewish nation. Uh, however, as we look at this, there are many applications and many encouragements as we look forward to Christ's return. Now, here's my conviction, and I think the Bible is very clear about it. I believe the next major event, it's imminent, and that's the rapture. It will fulfill 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, where the Bible says, There will be the trump that comes from heaven. The dead in Christ will rise, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. It's my conviction at that point, and I don't believe Antichrist can be revealed until God's children are removed. And it's going to be at that point, Antichrist is going to be revealed. And my conviction that the world will enter into that final seven years specifically directed towards the Jews. And so a lot of these events are dealing with this. However, many applications as we look forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to look at two details tonight as we examine the beginning of sorrows that have great application to you and I. And first of all, there's the warning of great deceptions. I want you to examine here verse number five. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. He says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. As we look at great deceptions that will come upon the world, uh, there are false teachings. Verse 5, again, this statement, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. He's speaking of false teachings. Now, in every generation, there have been false teachers. I've said this multitudes of times, and young people, uh, your generation is, I believe, the closer we come to the return of Christ, going to face more and more deception. Uh, you are going to need to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to be able to handle the Word of God and rightly divide the Word of God. And can I say, parents, the greatest responsibility that you have as a parent is to teach the Word of God in your home and teach the Word of God to your children. Uh, we're living, I believe, in the generation where a generation is going to be deceived by the Antichrist and will worship the Antichrist. And the beginnings of sorrows are the beginnings of these deceptions and these false teachings. In every generation, there have been the false teachers teaching things contrary to truth and contrary to the Bible. And it seems biblically, the closer we come to Christ's return, the more there will be false teachers, the more there will be false teachings, and Scripture becomes clear, very clear about this. want to examine just a few Scriptures here this evening uh, and keep your place in the Gospel of Mark. But if you go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3 uh, this evening, 1 Timothy chapter 3, excuse me, 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and Paul gave a great warning concerning this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul gives this warning. He said, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
And then as you look at these warnings that Paul gives, we are definitely living in this period of time. He said, men shall be lovers of their own selves. I think this has been the most selfish generation of any generation. It's all about me. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents. Would not that describe this generation? Unholy, uh, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, uh, without natural affection. He speaks there of uh, uh, lesbianism and homosexuality. Uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. In other words, they would have religion without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the warning that Paul is given of this generation. Uh, he goes on to say in verse number 10, he says of, of Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. And doctrine is what you believe. And it is important what you believe is the foundation of who you become. Uh, what you believe can determine eternal destiny. Listen, it does matter where you go to church. It does matter the foundation that you receive. Uh, he goes on to describe in verse 13. He says, but evil men, seducers, shall wax worse and worse. Notice the statement, deceiving and being deceived. He says to Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, uh, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, that's what you believe, for reproof, for correction, instruction and in righteousness, that the men of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And parents, the greatest thing that you can teach in your home is the Word of God. And the Word of God becomes the foundation that will protect your children from the deceptions and from the lies that are coming down the pike. Now turn to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Uh, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, God is giving us a strong warning. How do you deal with false teachings? You deal with false teachings through the truth. And the Bible says in John chapter 8, it's the truth that will make you free. Uh, we are to compare every teaching to the Word of God. Now, every time I preach, you compare that to the Word of God. You search the Scriptures to see whether the things where I preach are true. Are they contained in the Word of God? Are they truth? And you are accountable to hold to the truth of God's Word. I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 John, chapter number 2, for just a moment. And I, can, I think you can see here in the writings of John, Jesus warned. He said, many false teachers will arise. There are going to be false teachings. Men will deceive and be deceived. If you look in chapter 2 of 1 John, in chapter 2, verse 18, he gives this warning. Little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, 
Even now are there many antichrists. He said, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not all of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And uh, John is simply saying that if men do not know the truth and do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they will be open to deception. They will be open to lies. And he speaks, many went out, and the reason they went out is because they did not know the truth. They were deceived. But he said, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, no, no lie is it the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? In other words, he denies the deity of Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. That therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. He goes on to say in verse 27, speaking to those that are saved. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. You need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things is truth. As is no lie, as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. He speaks of the Holy Spirit of God that those who have been born again have received. And if you're truly saved... You've received the gift of God's Spirit, and the Spirit of God teaches you in accordance with the Word of God. The truth is very, very crucial. We are to buy the truth and sell it not. You, again, need to know what you believe and understand why based upon the Word of God. As we near the return of Jesus Christ, many are going to be deceived. Many are going to go away. 2 Thessalonians speaks of an apostasy of falling away from that truth. Again, there will be false teachers and false teachings. Now, friend, we're living in this in America today. And just going to be very blunt, uh, public education today is not what it was 20 and 30 years ago. It is not the same. What's happening in our public education system today is completely contrary to the Word of God. Our public education system today is preparing a generation to worship and serve the Antichrist. Uh, I don't care if you like that or not, friend, it's truth. And we're living in that day right now before our very eyes. And multitudes of young people, this is why 80% of young people are leaving churches today, is because they're being turned away from the truth and they're believing a lie. And God warned us that this is going to take place. Uh, this is why the BLM movement is taking place and moving. And it's not about race. The BLM movement is not. It's about socialism. It's about lies. It's about falsities that are being presented to this generation. And we have a generation that is being lied to and deceived and moved away from the things of God. And friend, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to anchor in the truth of God's word and that alone. Our news media today has become nothing more than propaganda. And much of the world today is being deceived, turning from biblical truth, turning away from foundations, and multitudes of people are being drawn away from churches that preach the truth of God's word. No longer like the truth as Timothy warned, or Paul warned Timothy, uh, they look for teachers having itching ears who will tell them, what they want to hear, and turning now to paganistic churches, worshiping the flesh today, and this generation being prepared for an antichrist. Uh, that's happening before our very eyes. The Lord warned about it. And the closer we come to the return of Jesus Christ, the more you're going to see this. There will be false teachings. 
I want you to go back with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 13. In Mark chapter 13, not only are there false teachings, but there would be false Christs. That's what Jesus expressed. These would be the beginning of sorrows. In Mark chapter 13, verse number 5 again. Mark 13, verse 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. But notice what he warned. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Again, as we near the return of Christ, many will turn away from the true Christ, and they will believe a lie. Now, we can easily name some of the lies that have come down the pike in Muhammad, and Islam is a lie. That's a false god. Allah is not the true God of the Bible. Allah is a demon. If you study that, it's demonic. It's contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. A Buddha is contrary. It's a false Christ. Hare Krishna, the Eastern religions, the Sikh movement, all of these are false Jesus, false Christ. Uh, they believe or reject the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of the false Christ. Now exam again, let's examine scripture. Go with me to the book of 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter 4. Friend, there's only one door of salvation. There's only one way. There are not many roads to salvation. There's one door. That door is Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ is God. He's King. He's Lord. He's the God of gods. He's the King of kings. He's uh, the one before which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Uh, no man comes unto the Father but by the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything else is a deception. There is no other door. You must be born again. Now go with me to 1 John chapter 4. Here's the warning uh, that we have. He said in verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But he said, try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Uh, it's not too difficult to figure that out. Uh, he says, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, where we have heard that it should come, and even now, already is it in the world. He speaks to those that are saved. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Uh, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, you cannot mix truth and error. If you mix error into truth, it is no longer truth. It would be like taking pure water and mixing arsenic into pure water. If you take just a little bit of arsenic, the whole water is spoiled. And a little bit of error spoils the entire truth. And the truth is this, Jesus is Lord. He's King. He's God. He's the road. He's the door of salvation. He's the only one that can save you and He will save whosoever shall call upon Him. That is the foundation of the Word of God. See, those that do not know Jesus personally or have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ have not been born again are then vulnerable to a lie. Something that's really interesting. Have you ever noticed that if one does not want Jesus, then suddenly they want another Christ. Uh, they're not willing to take Christ, but they're willing to take a false Christ. Uh, it's because man was made to worship. Uh, we were made by God. 
We were made for God. We were made to worship God. And friend, if you will not worship God on His terms, you're going to find a means to worship, whether it be yourself. Uh, you might claim to be an atheist, but you'll still worship something. You'll worship yourself. You'll worship science. You'll worship the world. You'll find something to worship. You'll replace the living God with a false God, with a false Messiah, with a false Christ. Now I want you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians uh, for just a moment at chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians, this becomes very clear. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, uh, he writes and gives a warning. And this is dealing, I, I believe 1 Thessalonians deals with the return of Christ at the rapture for his children. 2 Thessalonians deals with the return of Christ at the end of the rapture or at the end of the tribulation. Uh, chapter 2 verse 3, here's the warning, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that men of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist, my conviction that we're not going to know who the Antichrist is until we are removed. I've got some guesses uh, today, but I have no idea who the Antichrist is. It's kind of interesting what's happening in our world today, and uh, I won't give you some names, but uh, there are some uh, things that are really interesting taking place today, and there are some men that are becoming heroes all of a sudden out of these wars that are taking place right now, and so that's interesting. But this Antichrist in verse 4 opposeth, exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God. This is the abomination of desolation spoken of later in Mark chapter 13 of the temple of God showing himself that he is God. But I want you to see here after uh, God's children are removed, uh, Antichrist will be revealed. But notice in verse 9 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And here is the warning that is given. Many professing Christians who have never been born again, uh, will be deceived. They may be religious people, but they had rejected the truth, which is Jesus Christ. They rejected the true Messiah, did not want the true Messiah. And those that would not be ruled by Jesus will eventually be ruled by a false Jesus, this Antichrist, because man was made to worship. Now here's the warning in these beginnings of sorrows. It's a warning of strong delusion. It's a warning of great deceptions. Let's go back to Mark chapter 13. Uh, these beginnings of sorrow, so warning of great deceptions. But there are there is a warning of great difficulties. Uh, notice with me in verse number 7, uh, these great difficulties, Mark 13, he mentions wars and rumors of wars. He says, And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars... Be not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now we're definitely hearing of wars and rumors of wars, are we not? Uh, just uh, yesterday morning early, I sat down with my father-in-law, and he's a news buff, and uh, we just sat down and uh, watched uh, one of the news stations, and uh, it was reporting of wars 
and rumors of wars. Uh, there was the war with Russia and the Ukraine, and on this uh, news report were all of these images all over and all over the news, bombs and bullets that were flying and millions of Ukrainians that had been displaced and making their way to Poland and stories after story was told and uh, there were stories told of multitudes that had died and of the tragi uh, tragedy of that war and uh, the things that are taking place. And, and then as I was uh, watching a, a newscast, uh, there was Russia and Syria and Iran and there was the talk about uh, uh, coming against Israel. And it was mentioned, uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and uh, just kind of mentioned that Russia has multitudes of troops right now in Syria in preparation for, I believe, the Ezekiel 38, 39 war. And then, uh, as I was listening to the news, here comes Biden, uh, and Biden makes this statement, there is soon to come a cyber attack from Russia here on the United States. And the cyber attack, and he said, it's fact, it is going to happen. And then listening, there was the warning about China uh, coming against uh, Taiwan. And then the warning about a possible nuclear war, and that there might be the chance of stirring the world into World War III. And then as I'm listening, there was the warning about kingdom coming against kingdom and the western empires coming to help uh, Ukraine out and all of these things were taking place on just that one uh, little brief newscast and if you're not saved you listen to all of that and you say boy we're about to die the world's going to be destroyed and yet I want you to see what Jesus said in Mark 13 verse 7 he said be you not troubled he said, for such things must needs be. He said, it's going to happen, but the end shall not be yet. You see, for those that are saved, these are only the events that will usher in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the world will cry for peace. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 3. There will be no peace until the Lord Jesus Christ establishes His kingdom here upon this earth. Uh, the wars that the world is dealing with right now, simply preparing the world to turn to Antichrist. As I'm watching these new newscasts, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly what's happening. This world is hearing of all the war, and the world is clamoring for peace today antichrist is going to rise right into that and offer the world a false peace but those false peace treaties that antichrist will usher in for a short period of time will soon lead the world to the battle of armageddon and those are events that will happen wars and rumors of wars and god tells his children don't be troubled he said that's going to happen uh, you're you belong to the lord you don't have anything to worry about that's God's warning to his children. Now look in Mark 13, verse number 8. Uh, not only are there wars and rumors of wars, but he says in verse number 8, um, and there shall be earthquakes in divers places. Interestingly, I read an article just today that the last century saw a 265% increase in great earthquakes over the previous century. And in recent years, we have witnessed devastating earthquakes. In 2010, uh, there was the earthquake in Haiti that uh, killed over 200,000, they said 225,000 people. 
there was an earthquake in Chile, an earthquake in China, an earthquake in Nepal, and multitudes through these earthquakes have been killed, and Jesus warned. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said there would be earthquakes in diverse places. He saw the future. Uh, appears that biblically, we're going to continue to see an increase in earthquakes, natural disasters, as we approach the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of what Jesus said. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Look in Mark 13, verse number 8. He makes the statement in the latter part, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now, friend, if you do not know the Lord, and you hear all of these news events, it's depressing. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is exciting. Because Jesus told us this is going to happen. There shall be famines and troubles. Ought not to surprise a child of God to see difficulties all over the world. To see famines and diseases and pestilences and natural disasters. It's a part of the sin-cursed world. Sin brought a curse into the world. And the world groans under that curse of sin until the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Romans chapter 8, verse number 22, we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And Jesus told us that we could expect these things until he returns. That was the warning that Jesus gave to us. I want to give some tremendously important thoughts here this evening. Thought number one as we look at all of this is we don't have anything to worry about. Because our God reigns. Mark 13, verse number 7 again. He said, be you not troubled. That, that means don't worry. Doesn't take God by surprise, does it? We can expect this to happen. Jesus told us it would happen. And our job is not to worry. Our job is to trust our God who told us this would happen. Our job is to pray. Our job is to seek His face. Now, here's a second very important truth. There's some things that we have no control over. See, news report on Tuesday uh, spoke of a new COVID variant. Any of you hear that? Okay, it's number 528 or whatever, but a new variant that just came forth. And uh, I read just yesterday that Israel uh, now has had 14,000 new cases and they were going to drop their mask mandate, which doesn't work anyway, but they were going to drop their mask mandate, but they've determined because of the new variant and all the new cases, they've got to continue the masks for a while and take away the humanity of seeing faces. See, the goal is to stir fear. That's the goal. That's what our world is into right now, stirring fear. Have to create fear. Listen, I'm going to give you a truth. Before... The leadership of the world can take control of the world. They've got to stir fear in the people of the world. And it's only through the stirring of fear that they're able to gain control. See, for Antichrist to gain control of people and to gain control of the world, to bring the world to the mark of the beast, he's got to stir fear in the hearts of people and in the heart of the world. If you belong to Christ, God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, understand, if they can't bring you under the spirit of fear, they can't control you. And, and that's so crucial. Now, uh, a third truth is...
job is simply to obey Christ. See, no matter what happens around us, our job doesn't change. The Great Commission doesn't change. Our job is to win a world to the Lord Jesus Christ, one soul at a time, one friend at a time, one co-worker at a time, one family member at a time. That's our job. That's our commission. Now, they tell us that if we get into the crowds that we're all going to die. Isn't that amazing? It's okay to be in a crowd at Walmart or in a crowd at the NFL game or in a crowd at the college game, but you get in a crowd in the business of the Lord, you're going to die. That's the problem we've got today. Crowds go everywhere. Listen, I want to give you just a thought. I'd rather die being obedient to Jesus. I just want to be obedient to Christ and do what He wants me to do. See, I wonder, so many Christians have been sidelined today through fear. John Patton went to a cannibal island. They said, John, they're going to kill you and eat you. He said, but that's where God wants me to go. I must be obedient to Jesus. And he went to a cannibal island and won an island to Jesus Christ. Jim Elliot made the statement, he is no fool to give that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. And we just heard the story on Sunday about Jim Elliot and others giving their lives for Jesus. And yet an entire group, the Akas, coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior because of their sacrifice. I don't remember this man's name, but he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. <laughs> And he said, doctors have told me I'm going to die. He said, I believe God wants me to go to Papua New Guinea, to go to an unreached tribe of Papua New Guinea. And they said, but they're going to eat you. And he said, well, uh, I'm going to die of terminal cancer. And uh, so I'm going to die either way. And so he went and began to tell this group about Jesus. And what was amazing is multitudes came to know Christ as Savior and his terminal cancer went away. He said, I'm not going to be controlled by fear. Uh, so many Christians have been sidelined. Jesus never promised us a life of ease. Never did. Uh, he warned, these are the beginnings of sorrows. All of these things, they're going to happen. Uh, he never promised that he wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't go through difficulties and trials. Never promised that. But he promised to be with us and to go before us. I'm going to close by having you turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We call this the faith chapter of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, as we move through this chapter, we see all of the great things accomplished by faith. And we come to the end of the chapter. And the Lord tells us in verse 35, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Uh, friend, that's what a Christian ought to be is willing by faith to walk with Jesus Christ, whatever the consequence, whatever the cost. 
Jesus gave these warnings, the beginnings of sorrows, the warnings of deceptions. He said there are going to be false teachers. There will be false Christs. You anchor in the truth. There are going to be warnings of difficulties, wars, rumors of wars. Don't worry. It's going to happen. Earthquakes, diverse places, famines and troubles. He said, don't worry. Don't be filled with fear. It's out of your hands, out of your control, but not out of my hands. Not out of my control. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Our job is to be faithful because Jesus is coming back again. And I want to be found in the will of God when he comes back. I don't want to be sidelined because I'm worried about some Russian bomb coming and getting me. So be it. It'll just usher me to heaven a little bit quicker. See, we need to be what God wants us to be in his will, serving him faithfully with every head bowed and every eye closed.